I am glad you are with us here today. Uh, we have Brother Charlie Dunn that's come to preach our Easter message. I would just like to tell you from Waynesville Missionary Baptist Church to continue to stay safe, continue to uh, do as our protocols do. And we just ask that uh, you keep us uplifted in prayer. Um, as a Christian, we know that this is a rough time we're going through because our churches have basically been shut down. And through the miracle of technology, we have the power to continue to spread God's word. Uh, we also have some severe weather coming through here this afternoon and tonight. I just pray everyone be safe and listen out for your local weather people that you can do what they tell you. I'm going to open this up with a word of prayer and sing a little song, and then we're going to turn it over to Brother Charlie. Your gracious Heavenly Father, as we come before you today, dear Lord, we just come before you with an open heart, Father God. We just know that you are risen and know that you are the King of kings and Lord of lords and that you are sitting on the throne. And Father God, we just ask you to be with us as we go through the rest of this service. And all we ask in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> oh, Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder Consider all the worlds thy hands have made. I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout. The universe displayed. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art. How great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art. How great thou art. When through the woods and forest glades I Sing sweetly in the trees. When I look down from lofty mountain grandeur and hear the brook and feel the gentle breeze, then sings my soul my savior god to thee how great thou art how great thou art then sings my soul my savior god to thee 
How great thou art, how great thou art. And when I think that God his Son not sparing, sent him to die, I scarce can take it in that on the cross my burden gladly bearing he bled and died to take away my sin. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. <clears throat> when Christ shall come with shout of acclamation and take me home, what joy shall fill my heart. Then I shall bow in humble adoration and then proclaim, My God, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to how great thou art, how great thou art. Well, amen. It's Easter. Happy Easter to everybody, those of you that are here. And for those that are coming to us by way of the technology that we have available today, I have uh, preached on television before and I preached on Facebook before, so this is not necessarily all that new to me, but it is a little different. We have a, a few folks with us today that were the 
technological folks that set up all this. And for those of you that are at home, I want you to uh, pay attention. I want you to listen. I want you to stay with me in Scripture. I want you to uh, just follow along because I have a message that I want to share with you today. In the times when we live, this message, I think uh, the Lord has been dealing with me ever since I found out that I was going to be here on Easter. And the Lord has been bringing me back to this message, back to this message, and back to this message. And I think it's because of the times that we're in. Uh, we are living in a day where things are very, very tough, very rough. We're in quarantine and all that kind of stuff. And there's a lot of people that are going through a lot of anxiety, a lot of fears about this uh, COVID-19 and all that kind of stuff. And I want to tell you, God has given us a lot of promises in Scripture that He's going to take care of His children. He's going to bless us. And yet, many Christians are still afraid of what's going to happen. Uh, so I want to share with you a message today that I'm simply going to call, And They Remembered. We need to remember. We need to remember what God has said. God has told us about a lot of things. Now the message is about the Easter story, and we'll be talking about that. So I want to set up the sermon and set up the message with a, an old, 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 old story. And some of us older folks heard this way back when we were kids. But this story is, is old and maybe some of the younger folks haven't heard it. But it's about a man who was known to be a great fisherman. He would go off fishing and he would come back with a boatload of fish every time he went out fishing. So there was a man one time asked him if he could go along with him. And he said, sure. So that morning they got in the boat or got in the car, took off. And when they got to the lake, they got in the boat and took off across the lake. And the man that went with this real famous or this real successful fisherman noticed that the man didn't have a fishing rod with him. All he had was a tackle box. And as they went out and got into the man's favorite fishing hole, the man got in his tackle box, took out a stick of dynamite, lit the dynamite, threw it over the side of the boat, and boom, all these fish came to the top, and he raked in all these fish and put them in the boat. About that time, the man who asked to go fishing with him had heard how good he was, so he went to find out how come he could catch so many fish. He pulled out of his back pocket a sign that said, that, uh, uh, a badge that said he was the game warden. Well, that fisherman looked at him, didn't say a word, very calmly, reached back in the tackle box, got another stick of dynamite, lit it, and handed it to the game warden. The fuse started burning down. The game warden looked at the dynamite, looked at the man, and the man said, well, are you going to fish or just sit there? Now, the, the game warden was faced with a decision. And everybody that's listening to me today is faced with a decision. And that decision is, what will you do with Christ? That's found in the book of Matthew chapter 27 and verse 22. The disciples in the story we're going to look at today is in Luke 24. We're going to be in the first 12 verses. And I want you to understand the context of this. They were faced with an empty cross. They were faced with an empty tomb. They were faced with empty hearts. And they were faced with empty lives, just as people are today. And so folks, I want you to remember that God has told us some things. He has given us some promises that we need to simply be trusting in Him to fulfill these promises. This story 
tells us about how Jesus told the disciples that He was going to die and then He was going to come back alive. They remembered. That's what this story is about. We need to remember the promises of God as well. Would you look at Luke 24, verses 1 through 12? The Bible says in Luke 24, verse 1, Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. And they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in, the, in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered unto the hand, into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. And returned from the sepulcher and told all these things unto the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene and Joanna, and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women that were with them, with them, which told these things unto the apostles. And their words seemed to them as idle tales, and they believed them not. Then Peter arose. Then, then arose Peter and ran unto the sepulcher, and stooping down, he beheld the linen clothes laid by themselves and departed, wondering in himself at that which was come. To pass. Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity we have to preach. I pray that, Lord, you'll deliver your message. Speak to our hearts, encourage us, and if someone is listening to us today that is not saved, I pray that, Father, you'll speak to them very clearly about how that they can trust in you and that, God, that you will take care of their lives. So, Father, bless them. We will thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now, Having said all of that, I want to, what I want to do is do something a little different. I'd like for you right now to close your eyes and bow your head and listen to some words that I'm going to read from Max Lucado's book, No Wonder They Call Him Savior. I'm going to read them slow, and I want you to listen to them and let them sink into your heart and into your life. So would you do that right now? Just bow your head and close your eyes and listen. Skull. Calvary, crosses, execution, death, noon, tears, observers, whales, nude, bruised, swollen, crossbeam, Sign, ground, nails, pound, 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 pierced, contorted, thirst, terrible, grace, writhing, Raised, 
mounted, hung, suspended, spasms, heaving, sarcasm, sponge, tears, taunts, forgiveness, dice, gambling, darkness, absurdity, death, life, pain, peace, condemn, promise, nowhere, somewhere, him, us, Father, robbers, paradise, wailing, weeping, stunned, mother, compassion, darkness, my God, afraid, scapegoat, vinegar, Silence, sigh, death, relief, earthquake, cemetery, bomb, tombs, bodies, mystery, curtain, spear, blood, water, Spices, linen, tomb, fear, waiting, despair, stone, merry, running, maybe, Peter, John, belief, enlightenment, truth. Mankind, alive, alive, alive. Did God speak to you in some way through all of those words? Those things, just one simple word, just boom, 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 like a machine gun, spoke volumes about the Easter story. And so what I want to do is remind you, first of all, that Easter is not about an Easter bunny. It is not about Easter eggs. It's not about Easter hunts. Just like Christmas is not about a tree and the tinkling and the lights and all of that. Christmas is about Christ. And Easter is about Christ being risen from the dead. And that's what we need to remember here at Easter that it's about Jesus Christ giving His life for us that we might have life eternal because God not only paid the sin debt on the cross, but He raised Him that we might be just justified before God. So what I want us to do is I want us to look at this story today in Luke 24 and look at three things in this story that speaks volumes about that one little phrase and they remembered. Number one, 
excuse me, number one, there was a thrilling experience that they had. They came first on the first day of the week, if you look at verse 1. Verse 1, they came on the first day of the week. That's interesting because in the Greek language, it is a, a Greek phrase, mea sabbatun, which means, listen carefully, the first Sabbath. People talk about whether we should be worshiping on Sunday and all of that, but this gives great indication that this was the first Sabbath of the Christian era. In other words, uh, Sunday is the Christian Sabbath, and I'm not going to go into that. That's another sermon and all of that kind of stuff. But on Easter Sunday, we developed into the first Sabbath for the Christian. So they came on the first day of the week, secondly in verse 2. When they came, they found that the stone was rolled away. I remind you, if you've not heard this before, it might be interesting to you, but I've known this for years and years, that, that God rolled that stone back not to let Jesus out, but to let them in. And the whole point is that Jesus could have gone through the, through the mountain, through the stone, through the walls, through the, uh, the, the, the dirt. It didn't matter about the stone, but the stone needed to be rolled back so that the people could get in it. And that also speaks to us very specifically about how that we in our sinful state cannot come to God, but we need our barriers removed so we can get into the very presence of God. The temple uh, veil was rent from top to bottom. We now have access into the very throne room of God because of the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you hear an amen? I know I didn't hear you out there. Okay, those of you sitting on your couch, amen. We understand that they came to the, to the tomb and they found that the stone was rolled away. And when they did, it says in verse 3, that when they found the stone rolled away, they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. Now that's interesting. When they go into this tomb, they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. They found the grave clothes, but they didn't find Jesus. The body was missing. And they, there was rumors that started that somebody stole the body. That still persists today of unbelievers who want to say that somebody stole the body. But I'm going to give you something to think about. If the body was were stolen, two things. Number one, if the friends of Christ had stolen the body, could they have done it? Well, just one thing to uh, kind of diffuse that argument. There were, there were soldiers that were there by the stone and they were under, under the sentence of death if anybody broke the seal that was put on that tomb. If the seal had been broken, then those Roman soldiers would have been put to death. So could they have stolen it? Not on your life. Not on the lives of those Roman soldiers. But secondly, if the foes of Christ had stolen it, would they? Because if they stole the body, wouldn't they just be playing into the story that Jesus told that He was going to be raised from the dead? Wouldn't the, the enemies of Christ have played into that because there wasn't a body there? Then the rumor could start that He was raised from the dead. Well, certainly they wouldn't have taken it. The enemies wouldn't have taken it. The friends couldn't have taken it. So what happened? Very simple. 
Jesus came back to life. Amen? So the point is that they entered in and they didn't find the body. And in verse 4, the Bible says that they were perplexed about that. That word perplexed means to be at a loss with oneself, to be in doubt, to be in a strait, to not know which way to turn. That sounds like a lot of things going on today with people uh, today, but you need to remember that God has promised and God has blessed. Amen? They were uncertain about what was going on. They didn't know what to do, and they didn't know what to decide to do. They were perplexed. And in verse 5 it says that perplexity gave them a great deal of fear. They were afraid. That word afraid means to be thrown into fear. Their circumstances had gotten a hold of them and they were swept up like in a river and they were thrown into this fear and they were literally terrified. Now I want to ask you a question. We can be pious and we can be religious and all of that kind of stuff, but if you saw a man standing there shining like these angels were, if you saw an angel lit up, shining like a light bulb, would you be afraid? Folks, I guarantee you I would. If I saw somebody walk through that door and he was lit up like he was a, 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 an incandescent light, I would be kind of, kind of backing up saying, what is this? Well, that's the kind of situation they were in. They were afraid. But I want to remind you that in verse 8, the Bible says here very clearly, in spite of all of these things that have taken place circumstantially, they and they remembered his words. What does that mean? Well, they remembered the Word of God. They remembered what He said. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in just a minute. But I want you to understand that they remembered, and when they remembered that He said He was going to die and come back to life, He did what He said He was going to do, and then in verse 9, they testified about it. They simply could not help it. God got a hold of them and they went out in excitement. Their excitement literally overcame them. They were swept up in the moment and a real revival gripped their soul. One day, they were huddled in fear in the upper room, scared for their lives. The next day or a little while later, they were out in the streets loudly proclaiming that Jesus was God. Get a hold of that. Here one day, they're so scared they can't hardly talk and then turn right around and just a little while later they're out there to the top of their lungs, if you will, telling everybody that Jesus Christ is God. What happened to change them from all of that negative experience to that one time when they went out and charged the world? Jesus came forth from the grave. There was the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead. That's what happened. Folks, that's what happens when every person gets saved. When a person gets saved, they, their life is filled with all kinds of pessimism and negativity, all kinds of bad stuff. And then when Jesus comes into the life and gives them a newness of life through the resurrection of Christ, we just can't help but tell people. That's the way it is. You've heard about the Miranda rites. Miranda Wright says you have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. 
There was a, a songwriter just a, in recent times said this. He said, you don't have the right to remain silent if you have been arrested by God's grace. Amen. And so the truth is, this thrilling experience took place. Lots of negative things going on. They were afraid. They didn't know what was going on. But boom, one event. Jesus comes back from the grave and that changed the whole world for them. Can I hear an amen? So there was a thrilling experience that took place. Secondarily, I want you to look at the things remembered. For in verse 8 it says, And they remembered. Verse 7, They were filled with sorrow, the Bible says, and the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified. Now folks, they remembered their problem but forgot His promise. Did you notice I only read part of that verse? I didn't read about the third day rise again, did I? And that's because they remembered what they saw. They saw Him brutally, cruelly crucified on the cross. And all that was in their mind was, here is Jesus. We put our, our life in His hands and they killed Him. They put Him to death on the cross and they remembered their problem. Now folks, the, the, the Lord's followers had poor memories. Amen? He died on the cross. That's all they could think about. They saw all the evil men. They heard the blasphemous sneers. They knew the disappointment and frustration in their lives. They, things had gone wrong. This is not what was supposed to happen. He was supposed to bring in the kingdom. Their prayers seemed like they had been unanswered, at least the way they thought they should have. Things are going wrong. It's terrible. Their prayers are unanswered. And their future now was bleak. They didn't know what was going to happen tomorrow. Remember, they ran to the upper room and huddled up there, scared for their lives. If they crucified Him, they will crucify us. They had no idea why God had allowed these horrible, wretched, distasteful things to happen in their life. Jesus was crucified. Folks, I want to remind you, He knew what He was doing, even though they didn't. And He knows what He's doing in your life, even though you may not. He has purposes and plans that are way beyond anything that we can possibly understand. The truth of the matter is that the Master's body was crucified, He died on the cross, and now His lifeless body had to be embalmed. I don't know if you know this, but in the Old Testament law of Moses, the women were charged with taking care of embalming the body. They were charged with taking care of this dead body. So now everything was ready. Uh, they had remembered that they're supposed to take care of the body. They remembered all of the details about the, him uh, saying he's going to die and all of these other kind of things. They remembered the law. But one thing they forgot. They forgot the most promising, the most beautiful, the most wonderful thing that Jesus said. Jesus said, I will rise again. 
They forgot that. How often is it that, folks, you and I remember our problems that we've got and fail to forget, we fail in forgetting those promises that God's made. God promises he, always, he doesn't always work everything out at the same time or very close to the time that those problems happen. Sometimes it takes a while for God to work things out. But folks, I guarantee you, there's no need to be sorrowful about that. Can you hear an amen? I'm listening for you folks out there. Ivor Powell said this, Throughout their time of sorrow, the sun had been shining but their forgetfulness had placed shutters over their windows. They were sorrowful, but they remembered the Scripture. They remembered His words, but they did not have the wisdom of God. They remembered His words, but didn't have the wisdom of God. The angels were there when they saw the angels, and they got afraid and all of that. Somehow, it just blasted in their minds and they remembered what he had said. He had been speaking about tragedy and then he would tie that tragedy with triumph. He said, I'm going to die, but I'm going to come back again. I'm going to die, but I'm going to rise again. And they forgot that. They remembered his words, but they didn't have the wisdom to really comprehend and understand that. Mark 16 and verse 8 says... And they went out quickly and fled from the sepulcher, for they trembled and were amazed. Neither said they anything to any man, for they were afraid. How long did their fear last? How long was their unbelief? Well, we don't really know, but we do know that ultimately, when they found out that Jesus had been risen from the dead, had been raised from the dead, that their Unbelief was banished forever. Folks, when I got saved, I put my faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, not just that He died on the cross, but God raised Him from the dead that I would live forever. Now folks, I have never lost that faith. I've wondered at times whether or not this was the right thing to do or if God was going to pull me out of this or if God was going to take care of this. There have been several times when situations or circumstances had made me wonder, but I have never lost the faith that God raised him from the dead. That unbelief has been banished forever. And when you come to know the Lord, that will happen to you. They remembered the word of the Lord, but failed to believe him. They were afraid. <coughs> I don't know about you, but before the, 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 the Easter story, the resurrection, if somebody had told you that they were going to come back from the dead, I imagine you, me, would have been just like these disciples. <laughs> kind of a smirk on our face. That's kind of far-fetched, isn't it? That's unbelievable. You're going to come back from the dead Nobody's ever done that before. You know, we don't know. Uh, I can't possibly. It was fantastic. It was wonderful if it was true. But boy, it was fantastic. It was a fantastic story. And maybe that's more wishful thinking than anything else. Maybe he's going to come back in spirit and he won't come back. I don't know what they did. It, they, they possibly were thinking, man, this is a false hope. 
This is not something we can put our, our life on. It's a false hope. But I want, to, I want you to understand that uh, they were foolish in not believing that he would come back from the dead. Now, folks, we get all bent out of shape about it, but we make the same mistake about a lot of things. God tells us, trust in me, come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And we fail to believe that he'll give us rest. The Bible talks about many other promises and we get kind of buried down in our own woes me life and our own circumstances. We get under the circumstances and we shouldn't be under there, by the way. A Christian should be above the circumstances, but we let the circumstances bury us and it appears that God is not coming to our aid. And folks, I have news for you. God never fails us. He will not forsake us. He will not leave us. He will never fail us. He will take care of us. So they remembered the things that he had talked about, but they just couldn't grasp it. They remembered the words of the Lord. But also, they remembered that they had a job to do. There was a task that that, that they had, and they went out proclaiming the triumph. Look at verses 9 and 10 real quick and returned from the sepulcher and told all these things unto the eleven and the rest. There was Mary and Joanna, Mary the mother of James and other women that were with them and told these things to the apostles. These women, when they found out Jesus wasn't there and the angel said, He's not here, He's risen, they got excited and away they went. And they told it to all of the the apostles that were there. Now, folks, I want to say something. You ladies, I want you to understand I have a great deal of respect for women. And one of the reasons I have is because the Bible gives great respect to women. Do you know who the first New Testament preachers of the gospel were? Women. It says so right here. Right after the resurrection, these women went and told of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but that means that God had a very high opinion of women. And so I want you to understand that there's no record of any women in the Bible, in the New Testament, that either said or did anything evil in regard to the Lord Jesus. You just can't find it. All of the women did really great things with the women. They loved Him. They served Him. They listened to Him. And they followed Him. But they never criticized Him. They never opposed Him. And they never did anything that they regretted afterwards. I challenge you to look it up, read your New Testament, find out about these women and what they did. Folks, I can tell you, it would be great if men would have this kind of devotion to the Lord. Amen? I mean, the truth of the matter is that women just have this capacity for a relationship with God that we men ought to envy. And that is the truth. These women went out and proclaimed the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. In Luke 24, verse 11, it says that their words seemed to them as idle tales and they believed them not. That was the men. The men said they are idle tales. 
What are you talking about? This is too fantastic for us to believe. The women were insistent. It's true. It's true. It's true. And folks, I got news for you. Somebody said, when a woman believes that she should be heard, she will be heard. <laughs> and these women wanted to make sure that they understood that this was true. And so, slowly the doubts begin to disappear. Slowly the tragedy is followed by triumph. Slowly the sadness is replaced by song. And slowly despair becomes glorious deliverance. So it is. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. When we're confronted with a Calvary, all of the gloom and the doom, we need to rather rest in the fact that Christ is triumphant in life. Christ is triumphant in death. Christ is triumphant in eternity. Christ is alive. He is alive forevermore. I could get excited in a, in a few minutes if I tried, but I'm going to try to hold it down. There was a thrilling experience. There was the things that were remembered, but then last there was a testimony that was believed in verses 10, 11, and 12. Look at verse 10. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women that were with them, which told these things unto the apostles. And their words seemed to them, the apostles, as idle tales, and they believed them not. Then arose Peter and ran unto the sepulcher, and stooping down he beheld the linen clothes laid by themselves and departed, wondering in himself at that which was come to pass. Now folks, when these ladies came and told the, the, the apostles the story of how they went to the tomb and found an empty tomb, they, according to Mark 16 and verse 10, uh, the, the apostles were there mourning and weeping. They were uh, upset. They were still in that place where the sun had gone out of their sky. They were in the place where their hopes had been crushed. They were in a place of despair. Their attitude was, woe is me. Woe is me. All the world has gone crazy. And folks, their attitude was demonstrating that Jesus was dead, not alive. I wonder about Christians today. We see so many Christians around that uh, they, they look like they've been uh, sucking on sour persimmons or something. Uh, they look like, as one preacher said, they look like they've been eating curtain rods, you know. Uh, folks, uh, what do people see when they look at you? As a child of God, do you have a victorious disposition? I don't mean you can't be sad. I don't mean that you can't be, um, you know, upset with situations and stuff. But we as children of God are on the winning side, period. I read the back of this book. We win. If you're saved, we win. No matter what else, we win. No matter what COVID-19 does, we win. I mean, it's not a, a open for debate. God has already given us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
And so folks, uh, when people see you, it's not so much what you do, it's more of who you are and what you are. It's the essence of you inside coming out. The Christianity, the real Christ coming out. You are victorious. You are, if you're a Christian, you are a child of God and you win. This was a credible report. God raised him from the dead. And yet the apostles were all sad about all that. Folks, I'm telling you today, it doesn't matter about the way things are. If you're a child of God, the credible report is he came back from the dead and he sealed forever my eternal state. And for those that are saved, your eternal state. And we win. It was when the women went and told this credible report, it was coldly received. If you look at verse 11, the Bible says their words seemed as idle tales and they didn't believe them. What do you mean, preacher? Well, we look at these disciples, these apostles, and we might want to be critical. Uh, We put ourselves in their shoes and uh, we might want to be critical because Jesus came back alive and all and we might want to be upset a little bit at them and we might want to uh, reproach them, if you will. Uh, folks, I have news for you. We, we're, we're a lot like they are in many cases. We, we really are. Um, we need to ask ourselves how much we believe the Lord even now. God said it and it's settled whether anybody believes it or not. So why shouldn't we believe it? The truth of the matter is, if God promised it to us, it's going to happen. It may not happen tonight. It may happen ten years from now, but God will bring it to pass. Amen? Have you claimed the promises of God? Do you you claim the promises of God? That's what you need to do. Mark uh, chapter 16 verse 14 says, Afterward he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart because they believed not. We don't have the right to do that. Jesus has the right to upbraid them because of their unbelief. And I can tell you that folks... uh, When we read the Word of God, sometimes we'll read it and we'll say, Oh yeah? Is that true? Will that happen? And we have this little bit of lack of faith in our heart when we do. So, uh, testimony that was believed, there was this credible report, and the disciples had some trouble with it. But I want want you to look at verse 12. Verse 12 says that Peter, when he heard about it, he ran to the tomb. And he looked in. Now, folks, I want to remind you, if you go back into John chapter 20, you'll find that the the apostle John was already convinced. Out of that group of apostles, John believed it. He ran, and when he got to the tomb, you know what John did? Huh? John looked inside. He already knew what was going to take place, and Peter bust right in. Oh, boisterous Peter, bust right into the tomb, to the holy place. And folks, the reason for that is because Peter was trying to figure it out. Peter was trying to, you know, is this true or not? Peter was contemplative. Is this true? Is this not? John was convinced. I trust that you reading the scripture and by the power of the Holy Spirit, you have heard that God said here in his word that Jesus died for us and that he was raised from the dead that we might be justified before God. 
Now, folks, the reality is that when they got to the tomb, Jesus wasn't there either. The ladies went there. He wasn't there. The apostles went there. He wasn't there. He never went back into the tomb. He's not going to go back into the tomb. He's alive forevermore. So why should he go back to the grave? Well, the truth is, he doesn't need to go back to the grave. He is victorious. And they remembered. Remember what God has spoken to you about. Hurricane Katrina, we all remember Hurricane Katrina. Uh, when the hurricane was bearing down on the Gulf Coast, there were uh, people that went out and, and made reports and stuff, and there were three kinds of people that were uh, facing her, Hurricane Katrina and had gone through it and all that. One of them said that as soon as we heard that this hurricane was coming, we packed all of our stuff and we took off for higher ground. Then there was those that said, well, we didn't really believe it was going to hit us and so we waited until we actually saw it before we did anything. And then there were those that said, well, we've uh, weathered storms before and we decided we'd uh, just go ahead and make it on our own. That's the way it is with coming to Christ. There are those that you know, receive Christ early. When they hear the gospel, they receive the Lord Jesus then. Then there are those who say, well, I don't know about it all. I'm going to wait and see what happens. And so they kind of wait a while and next thing you know, God has to do some things to get their attention before they receive Christ. And then there are those who say, well, I don't know about all that. I think I'll just take my chances and I'll do it on my own. Well, folks, I can tell you that it makes no difference what category you find yourself in. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you're in one of those categories, but I can tell you, you need to remember that He said that if you will come to Him, He will not cast you out. So if you're not saved today, my telephone number is in the, in the phone book. You can call me, and I will be glad to talk to you about how you can be saved. You can call the church here if someone is here. Call some of the folks from Waynesville Baptist Church. They probably could either tell you or get you in touch with somebody that can tell you how to be saved. But I do want to encourage you to remember that God in His Word has spoken and it is true. Jesus is alive. So happy Easter. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the blessed privilege of being able to preach. I pray that, Father, this has been a blessing to your people and a challenge to the lost. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.